everything was training up until deployment and deployment was going to be the time that he really got to do his job and he was excited and I was just like crying all the time like I don't want you to go <laughs> you know and then he's like why can't you be excited for me so this is a common push-pull tension moment between couples take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Couplesynergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 25 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Elizabeth Polinski. She is a certified emotionally focused couples therapist practicing in now Nevada. And she has a special passion for helping military couples navigate the unique challenges of military life. Uh, we want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today, Liz. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really, um, really excited to be here and to talk about, uh, you know, military couples. It's definitely a very strong passion that I have. That's awesome. And, you know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you got into that, doing that kind of work? Absolutely. Yeah. So I have generations of military uh, service members on both sides of my family. My parents were a dual military couple and um, military life uh, played a role in their divorce and in the struggles mm -hmm. that um, my mom got out of the Navy and my dad stayed in. And that was very, it took a huge toll on his relationships afterwards. So I think I have this, you know, in my personal background um, uh, that added to that passion. Um, I became a therapist uh, somewhere along the way, and I was working for the Department of Veterans Affairs. And I worked as a trauma therapist at the time when I was meeting my, when I met my husband. My husband is in the Navy. And one of the things that uh, motivated me to pursue working with couples uh, once we started moving around, I was like, you know what, I'm going to totally change my specialty from trauma therapy to couple therapy. <laughs> and um, and part of that was because when I was working at the VA, I would have veterans who had gone through really horrific things. Um, some of them tell me that the things that were still hard for them to get over was what happened with their marriage and how mm -hmm. it fell apart during their military career. Um so this, I think these two things really um, started it and it has continued at just being a military spouse myself now and going through the challenges myself and feeling it and, and seeing um, all of our friends go through similar challenges and then also knowing 
kind of the resources that are available and um, in some ways also the lack of knowledge about resources that are available for military couples. Hmm. What, what do you see is the extra challenges that military couples have versus people who are not in the military? Yeah, I think the, the way that I, um, maybe I can talk about it in two ways, uh, just in the surface level way we have like deployments. Um, you have, I think the average deployment is around six to nine months, but especially during COVID, those were a lot longer. I had one client that I worked with who had been gone for a year and she was married to another military service member and she came back and her partner was about to deploy. So mm. that is a very long separation for them. Yeah. Um, so uh, f even without deployment, um, you have like workups to deployment where your partner could be gone for periods of time, usually shorter, a month here, a month there. You have a lot of frequent moves. Um, like you mentioned, I'm now in Nevada. We just did a move about a year ago from Virginia Beach to Nevada and we'll move again in another two years. And so a lot of military couples do move around very frequently. Uh, three years tends to be the norm. And so there's a lot of stress that they face with um, really around the lack of a social support system and not being mm. around their family or the friends that they created in the last place that they went. Have a lot of readjustment concerns that they go through and then also the impact on the kids of um, brings up additional parenting challenges when the kids are also readjusting and switching schools and switching schools mid-year and dealing with um, parents gone. So this is maybe like the practical thing. But when I think about it at an emotional level, I think that military couples in particular experience a lot more separation distress um, and anxiety from being separated uh, from the person who is their biggest support system, especially around um, deployments and long distance. I, I imagine that leads to a lot of comorbid issues like um, alcoholism, you know, addiction in general, and then, you know, depression and, and, and even suicide. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, like the suicide, it's so, um, popular for people to be talking about veteran suicide, which it should be because I think it's like 22 people a day. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's very, very high, especially for service members, but even military spouses, they, um, they tend to have very high rates of anxiety and depression as well. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then, I mean, the military is just known for high alcohol use. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, um, that's definitely in there as well. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between both spouses being in the military versus one being civilian, one being military? What are the different challenges with that? Yeah, that um, I would say yes. Um, it's not as common. Um, and most of the time they can get located together. Not all the time. There are, there are times where... Um, it sort of depends, like, are you in the same branch of the military? Like if you have one person in the Navy and the other person in the Army, um, that might be different than if you had two people in the Navy who had very, like, popular high in demand jobs. If you had one person who was in a very, like, niche specialty in the military, that might impact things as well. Um, 
the big concern is can we end up living in the same place together? Mm. And will how will our deployment schedules match up? Those are usually uh, easier for couples to navigate if they're in the same branch um, of the military, but it yeah, it really it just really varies. It's really hard to <laughs> hard to say like what's the most common thing um, when it comes to that. At, yeah. at what point do military couples actually seek help? You know, is there, you know, I, I saw there's um, some statistics that um, Gottman had come out with that couples usually wait a minimum of six years before they actually seek outside help. I'm just wondering if it's different for military couples. Yeah, I definitely don't know like a statistic on that. Um, but I would say that military, like civilian spouses tend to be more open to seeking help than military members. This is partially due to the fact that there isn't like work-life separation if you're a service member. <laughs> like my my boss needs to know about my health care. <laughs> Whereas, uh, you know, in, in the civilian world, my boss doesn't have a clue if I'm going to counseling or if I... Um, you know, ha started taking a new medication, but all of this information is, um, uh, well, I, I'll say they do try to help keep it somewhat confidential and like on a need to know basis, but it still is accessible to people in leadership in the military. So this can make it, make service members in particular very hesitant about getting services. Mm. There are a lot of services that are provided through the military for, um, like they have some non-medical counseling options through Military OneSource. They always have sort of a family readiness program that will provide non-medical counseling as well. Um, but I I have worked with a lot of military couples and, and individuals who will seek me out specifically because I'm not affiliated with the military. Uh, like wow. I am as a spouse, but I'm not working in, the, in a military. Right. Um, uh, environment just so that way they can have more of the separation uh, between mm -hmm. something that feels so personal compared to, um, you know, something that would be m more public or more known in their work environment. When we were talking before, you said that you have uh, many generations of service members on both sides of your family. Is mm -hmm. there different um, stressors today that maybe weren't present 20 years ago, 50 years ago that you're aware of? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I think, <laughs> um, I think most people would probably say that it's better now. Uh, um, I think the things that are, uh, like I'm thinking about when my parents would tell me about their deployments, especially when my husband was deployed, they'd be like, oh, you have it easy, Liz. You know? <laughs> they would, <laughs> um, they would say like, um, they had to write letters and number the letters and, you could have a fight that goes on for months and miss a letter, one of the letters, and not know um, not know if you're still in a fight or what the outcome was of what happened. I had another couple tell me that they um, used to send voice recorders back and forth in the mail. So, oh wow! Th thankfully, that wasn't the case with my husband's deployment. You know, he could. Um, there were times that he could call me. Um, he could video chat with me when he was on port calls. He could email me. We did a lot of emailing. Um, and that's way, I think, in some ways, much more easier than it was in the past. Mm -hmm. um, 
the things that I'm seeing as maybe more additional challenges is that you have a lot of um, military spouses, female military spouses in particular, who now have very high levels of education and who are very career-minded. And um, the research suggests that for military spouses, the higher the higher their education, the more likely they are to actually be unemployed or underemployed, which then makes it um, like an, a little bit more of an identity crisis of who am I? Can I still be who I want to be while I'm married to somebody in the military? And then this can add some additional um, stress, not just for the spouse, but also in the relationship of how do we navigate that together? That's really so, interesting because yeah. them, I believe the military mm-hmm. now supports spouses education, correct? Yes. It's very, it's, it's so pushed. Yes. It's mm-hmm. like, go, go get a degree, go get education, get something that you can, um, will help you get another job when you move again. Um, yeah, but it, I can just, I'll share from my personal experience, like the, one of our first moves, um, it was like the jobs that I was being offered when we moved, when we moved together the first time, I was going to take um, like a $10,000 pay cut if I wanted to do the same job in a new location. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Are you kidding? So, wow. um and this is pretty. This is pretty common that military spouses will then um, uh, take jobs that they are overqualified for, um, just to like have a job. But then it also still then impacts their sense of personal identity. Yeah. Does the virtual world change that at all? You know, like we work all over the world because we're virtual. So we have a clinic yeah. in Illinois, but we live in Colorado. Yeah. Well, it certainly does for um, for therapists. Like my my practice is in Virginia Beach, and I I decided to go into solo practice just so that way I wouldn't have to be switching around jobs. I wouldn't have to be um, terminating with my clients um, every time we move. I can just keep working with them. And so I think it it um, it sort of depends on how many like the job field that you have, um, mm-hmm. and if the job is one that is. Um, able to be done remotely. Like I had, I had a friend um, who was here in Fallon and, and they recently moved who was a speech language pathologist, um, but she was able to continue working remotely. So then that worked out really well and she didn't have to stop her job and she could just move and keep working where she was working. Um, and then I have another friend who is a teacher who couldn't do that, you know, so, um, or at least not, not now that, um, everything is going back to in-person with schools. So, Do the different environments, you know, when you move to a different state or different base or however that works, um, the mindset is very different. Like for us, the mindset in Colorado is very different than the mindset in Illinois, especially mm-hmm. around things like military. Is that an added factor either in a positive way or a negative way? Yeah, I think it, I think it definitely has the potential to be. So, um, I think the military community is pretty tight knit. Um, there's a lot of uh, people who hang out with other military couples or make military spouse friends, and and so there's sort of this um, military culture that doesn't feel that much different, or it hasn't to me um, felt it hasn't felt that much different when we moved around. Um, 
but in terms of the local community where you're living, what, how, how do they feel about the military? How do they feel about the military in their town? Um, so my husband is in aviation and so there are always jets and people complain about the jets and the noise and um, things like that. But um, so that could absolutely vary from location to location and I'm sure that would have a big impact. So I'm thinking about, so I grew up um, after my parents split, I lived with my mom primarily and I grew up uh, during that time in El Paso, Texas, which was on the border. It's on the border with Mexico mm -hmm. and it has a massive army base there, um, Fort Bliss. Um, and one of my really good friends, his um, partner at the time was really struggling to find a job because she couldn't, she didn't speak Spanish which is really needed in that location because it's so bilingual, like 80% of the population mm -hmm. speaks Spanish or something there. So um, I think when it comes to, to maybe more unique situations like that, then that might even be, um, I, it for sure was a big stressor for them, both like financially, but then again, for, for her of, of um, how she identified with her career and not being able to find a job in it. How has uh, doing this kind of work with military couples, how has it impacted your own marriage and your own, you know, home life? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think, um, yeah, my mind is going a couple of places. So let me see, <laughs> let me see if I can organize it. Um, I, so I do emotionally focused couple therapy. Um, and I think that has had the biggest impact on, on my relationship and on my marriage to be to to be a licensed marriage and family therapist to like know about the science of relationships and what helps relationships be good I think this has been like the biggest factor um and then I think um I think honestly becoming a military spouse myself helped me have compassion in a way that mm -hmm. like I thought I had compassion but I didn't have the real world you know experience of being a military spouse, I had like the stories from my family, the stories from my clients, the like empathy for the struggle. But um, now I can really get um, like how um, depressing and lonely it can be when your partner is gone for months and months and months. Um, so I think um, I, I have always wanted to work with military and veterans. This has always been the population that I've focused on. So I think the hmm. I think if anything, my personal experience with my marriage has impacted my work more than my work impacting my marriage. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jean uh, served 13 years in the U.S. Army uh, before oh, awesome. we met, and I couldn't imagine if you know we had met while you were serving and being deployed and having to try to create a relationship over zoom i guess i don't know what the military <laughs> uses now but <laughs> you know and, and that would just it would and the added factor i think also is that you know there's always that risk that your partner's not coming home yeah right so it's not just like you know they're away for business you know and and that factor alone of that separation but then you also have that in the back of your head and that that fear so I, I imagine that's a lot of the things that you, you know, talk about with, with the couples when they are separated. Yes, that's, that is uh, an extremely common fear. Um, another common fear that comes up around that time 
is um, is the potential for affairs. Um, mm -hmm. the, the rate of infidelity during deployments is much higher than in the general population. And so even, even though the vast majority of people do not have affairs, <laughs> um, it's still such a high rate that a lot of couples are worried about that, that that will happen. Um, yeah, I see, Jean, I see you nodding your head. <laughs> so you, well, it's so um, intense. It's so intense when you're with this year 24 seven with a group of people, you don't have that in, in civilian world. And so mm -hmm. there's just, it's like one day is like a month. I mean, you get those bonds are really strong, really fast. Plus you're in a different environment where you count on each other. And so those lines do get blurry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those, those, um, those are absolutely the big things that I see, um, with couples that I work with, um, around like some of the fears and then and then the like the attachment related anxiety um especially i would say that i wish i had statistics on this i'm sure that there are somewhere i just can um so i i'm like finishing my phd right now and i told you i was like looking at all of this data right before a call <laughs> and i know i know i've read all of this but my brain is like where is the where is the statistics and i can't can't seem to find it in my head right now but um it seems to be very common that uh, military spouses have more of an anxious attachment style and then this gets really triggered around the time of um workups and deployments and um, not only is very distressing for them individually, but then also puts extra strain on the relationship, trying to, um, trying to navigate. I'm thinking like my own husband, he was so excited to go on deployment. <laughs> he was like, um, like excited to do his job. I don't really, um, let's see here. It was sort of like everything was like training up, uh, up until deployment and deployment was going to be the time that he really got to do his job. And he was excited. And I was just like crying all the time. Like, I don't want you to go, <laughs> you know? Um, and then he's like, why can't you be excited for me? So this is, um, you know, a common uh, push pull tension moment between couples. Which would also lead to the, the spouse at home leaning on someone potentially and having an affair. Yes while their partner's away. Yes, I've definitely had couples where that I've worked with where that has happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do they do, does affairs tend to break these couples up or are they able to work through that? Or is that about the same in civilian world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And again, I'm thinking like I've read the statistics on that <laughs> at some point. <laughs> um, I know that, um, I know that the divorce rate for military personnel where there was an affair by a partner, either one of them during deployment, that the divorce rate is very high compared to um, people who, where there wasn't, a, there wasn't an affair um, and as mm -hmm. in the military couples, as well as in the civilian population, I don't know the rates for, um, like if there was an affair over deployment, are they more likely to divorce than if there was an affair during when somebody wasn't deployed? Mm -hmm. um, that would be really interesting to know. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, in, in in general, you know, when we're looking at the general public, uh, the divorce rate is is actually below fifty percent now, so it's it's actually lowered, um, but it is has increased in certain generations so like the the boomer generation has the highest rate of divorce 
and yeah. the millennial generation has the lowest uh, rate of divorce. They also have the lowest rate of marriage as well, you know, mm -hmm. so that also kind of keeps that, that percentage in check. Um, and what we know about second and third marriages is just, it, it bumps up, you know, 10% each time you get married. So I, I was wondering if the rates of divorce in military couples is higher than the general population. I don't know if you, if you know that offhand. I don't know it offhand. Um, yeah. Oh, I think with those I'm added sorry, factors, know. you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what we know about the, you know, the rates of divorce with uh, police uh, mm -hmm. couples or people in law enforcement is, is that it is higher than the general population. Um, and most often they have high rates of suicide, high rates of uh, yeah. alcoholism and, and addiction and domestic violence, which is very interesting. Right. And, there, those lines between law enforcement and the military are, as far as their jobs, have, have gotten a little bit more blurred now, too, where people in the military are doing more policing, you know, and they are, the, the trauma that they are encountering is, is, is very similar. And so I'm, I'm wondering if that also is, is being reflected in, in military couples. Yeah. All of these are great questions. And the, the like researcher inside of me is like, oh, how fascinating. And I want to know more. And um, but I, I have no idea about the statistics like off the top of my head. But I would imagine that they would be very similar, um, especially the more trauma someone has gone through mm. in the military. Um, yeah. That, Do you encounter that, a lot of couples that, uh, you know, one is has gone through trauma or you know, has, has some PTSD symptoms. Yeah. These are actually my favorite couples to work with. I, I oh, really? love, yeah, I love, um, working with couples where one or both have PTSD. So, um, it is pretty, it is, tends to be, a uh, like, I think, um, tends to be something that I work with quite frequently, although it, I see it more in veteran couples than I do in, active duty military couples. Um, but I think that's just more related to um, who, who's willing to seek out counseling um, and, mm. and who's and when are they willing to seek out counseling and, and things like that. Um, and also PTSD shows up after you're done working, not typically so much during the stress. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking like it's sort of... Um, you know, sort sort of varies based off of is someone in a traumatic environment mm -hmm. um, on a consistent basis, um, or did they go through something traumatic and now that is over, yeah. <laughs> and then even though they are still in the military, they're like back back home right. or something, mm -hmm. and and then the PTSD could show up. I I also tend to work um, with people who have. A lot of sexual trauma who have PTSD from sexual trauma mm. and this can um, I think shows up so much in the relational aspect both bo like both in like communication aspects but of course also like in the sexual relationship that the couple has um, and that um, that one doesn't feel like it it really waits <laughs> until so and mm -hmm. you know that that one feels um, can impact people pretty severely really quickly Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. And is that is that something that happens happened during the military or in their life in general? I've had both. Uh, mm -hmm. I've had like clients with both. Uh, 
and also with like intimate partner violence um, in previous relationships where they've had PTSD from intimate partner violence. Um, yeah, when I worked as a trauma therapist for the VA, though, like, yes, there were there were a lot of people who had trauma from other sources, but I tend to work a lot with um, people who had experienced military sexual trauma, and the rates for that were so high. Um, yeah, which which was unfo so unfortunate. I used so, to have you know, when we're on that too. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> when when we're working with couples, one of the major things we see is they just don't invest enough time and energy into the relationship and being in the military and dealing with deployments and all that would increase that. What would you recommend for people who were separated uh, because of a deployment to try and continue to add, you know, time and energy into the relationship? Yeah, I really, um, I think my, my approach to um, viewing like relational distress really comes from an attachment framework. And so my goal for couples is almost always to, to, to promote relational coping over individual coping. And I would say this for military couples, even when they're deployed, like, yes, having individual coping skills, great. Love it. I'm not going to say don't have that. Um, but uh, so I have like a script that my husband and I follow when he's deployed for our emails. Um, a common thing that will happen is like the, the spouse, the civilian spouse will send like a really long email and they, uh, they'll get like a two or three sentence email back and they're like, why aren't you talking to me? <laughs> why aren't you um, engaging with me? And so uh, we have uh, like a, a five section email list that covers sort of like the basic information um, that way that way we can enhance like the responsiveness and sharing between us. Um, that includes, uh, let me see if I can, if I can remember, um, it's like new information, puzzles that we're working through, like things that we don't necessarily need help with, but just like things we're thinking about, um, things that are going well, that we're really appreciating, um, any problems that we would like suggestions with, or if we have suggestions for what they're going through. Um, and then um, sort of like uh, what I'm hoping for, things that I'm like dreaming of. Um, and so we follow this outline um, and that helps. It's like a, a five paragraph order. <laughs> it's like yeah. a five paragraph order to communication. Right? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Although it's very rare, I mean, I'm probably the one who writes more, but um, it's not, it doesn't really need to be that long. Like, even if, if it sort of depends on how frequently you have contact with the person. Um, some people can talk daily. I've, I've worked with couples where um, their partner was deployed and their partner could zoom into our therapy sessions. We could do couples counseling <laughs> while the person was deployed. That was that was really unique. My, we couldn't do that with my husband. <laughs> you know, he um, had so many times where, uh, you know, blackout silence couldn't, couldn't talk at all. So, um, yeah, so I'm thinking uh, this script allowed things to be kind of short uh, and to the point um, without, um, uh, like, I think part of what was happening for my husband is he would be so stressed out from the day from his like deployment day that he wouldn't have a whole lot of emotional energy mm. to respond to an email. <laughs> um, and then 
having a large amount of text would be like, ooh, where should I focus or what do I respond to? How do I do this? So having this um, framework gave him some like structure and I don't have to be like, this is the section where I'm gonna need um, to be thinking more or responding more to this. This is just information that I can take in and think like, oh, that's nice. That's cool that they got to do that, you know? <laughs> um, so, but this got me a little bit away from relational coping. I was thinking like, I was talking about relational coping and then I went to this script, which I think they can be related when, <laughs> when you are um, sharing about the emotional struggles of what's going on through this script without it being an emotional overload for the other person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I often right, I think that's a, that's a great, you know, little tip of advice you know, for those out there that mm -hmm. are dealing with that separation, it, it gives more of a kind of a consistency, something to count on. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So Liz, is there, um, is there a place where someone can access your podcast, right? I understand you have a podcast and can you give us the, the title of that podcast and where they can p yeah, listen to it? Yeah, happy to. Yeah. So I have a podcast that is specific to military couples and um, like navigating military life as a couple. Um, it's called the Communicate and Connect podcast. It's on all of the, you know, major podcast platforms. Um, but people could also mm -hmm. check it out at communicateandconnectpodcast.com. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Great. And if someone wanted to connect with you, learn more about, you know, who you are, where would, uh, where would they go? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm on social media. Um, I have lots of different like professional accounts. Uh, so at Liz Polinsky on uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, I have a YouTube channel. Um, and then if someone wanted to look me up for counseling purposes, that would, that's just Elizabeth Polinsky counseling.com. Wonderful. That's great. And then we will, we'll put all those links in the show notes. Awesome. Thanks. Great. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This has been uh, very informative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. I want to thank all of you for joining us on Couple Synergy today. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and a program such as Relationship 101, the home study course, the Couples Relationship Enhancement Weekend, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who can benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. And before we sign off, just wanted to remind everyone that the Relationship Enhancement Weekend, the, the next upcoming one is coming up in October. That's October 12th through the 15th. That's uh, held in beautiful Colorado. You can't, uh, can't miss the mountains out here. So uh, go on to couplesynergy.com to register. And until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.